you might not be a leader if you're simply waiting all day for a green light. Hey everybody, good evening, good morning, good afternoon, whenever you're listening, welcome back to the last question. Um, I am a week late, I'm sorry for that, I missed last week. So if you're looking for an episode from Wednesday the 20th, I think it was, there is no episode. Uh, I missed recording. I'll get into that here in a little bit. Uh, it is Wednesday, April 27th, almost 9.30 p.m. on the East Coast. So if you were looking for an episode drop today, this morning, at or about 6 a.m., didn't happen then either. Um, it's been an interesting last few weeks, really last month, um, and especially the last week or so. Uh, for me, <clears throat> personally, professionally, you could say, still trying to work things out. Uh, it seems, it sounds like a broken record, probably. I've been saying that over and over and over again um, since, uh, well, the last two years, probably, and certainly since this time last year. Um, my Maggie and I were talking about this, and I realized earlier today, tomorrow marks one year since my last day on active duty. And uh, it doesn't quite feel as though I've landed yet. Um, and so I will, uh, well, we'll get into that too. So this is a solo episode, in case you haven't noticed already. Uh, I am still working on a couple of interviews coming up. <clears throat> and the podcast is going to continue, but not everything that I do will. Uh, which is also going to be a subject of tonight. So this is going to be kind of freewheeling, which I guess every podcast episode is that way. No script, a couple of ideas rolling around in my head that I wanted to share and talk about. Um, a story to tell, if you will, maybe two, and then we will call it there. And then uh, I'll ask you to check out the new editions of Decoherence coming out tomorrow and Friday. All right. So um, the, the theme for this episode and the, the title, if you will, you might not be a leader if you're waiting for a green light means a couple of different things. Um, I want to start with missing, I went 0 for 4 last week uh, in publishing the stuff that I normally publish. So usually a podcast Wednesday morning um, with a newsletter on LinkedIn that goes along with that on Wednesday. Another newsletter column on Thursday, a science writing column on decoherence, and then Friday, the weekly read went 0 for 4 last week. And let's be real, what I've, what I've said in the past, and which has been true, um, but what I've said in the past is some version of, you know, I've been working on things, been working on myself, trying to hit the reset button, trying to make some changes, doing some deep work, da, 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 da. And, you know, those are things that are important, that are real, that plenty of people do and go through. In my case, I, I realized this, this weekend, this past weekend, sorry, I had to clean my glasses and now I'm all discombobulated with the headphones and the mic. All right. I realized over the weekend, I went 0 for 4, publishing the content I normally publish. And, um, you know, to your guys' credit, to, to, to the credit of listeners and readers out there, you know, I have 
from what I can tell a few subscribers, a few people that do give me feedback, um, positive and negative, all constructive and useful feedback, um, which I greatly appreciate. But that tells me there are people out there listening and reading. And so while I'm, I'm under no illusion that I'm some hugely popular figure, uh, you know, it still matters to me to take responsibility for, for missing an entire week's worth of work, of content, of, of doing something that I do enjoy and coming clean with why it wasn't really that I had to hit reset or that I had to work on myself per se, uh, but I was fucking exhausted. Um, yeah, that's it. I was exhausted and got sick. So, you know, for those who don't know, probably you, you chances are you don't know um, if you're listening to this right now. You know, I've been getting up early, 4 a.m. early for a long time. And part of it was driven by work. Um, you know, the, the ROTC job, we had to be at work sometime between 5 and 5.30, three days a week, uh, a.m., three days a week. Um, which made Mondays and Fridays kind of nice. Mondays might start early and then Fridays were just kind of a, for the most part, I think everyone tried to make them a chill morning because it was like the one day that was sort of quiet on, on campus and in the office. Um, but even before that, all the way back to our days in Minot, I was up early and at the gym five, five thirty, six o'clock because you know, you're, you're either deploying to the field, to the missile field, and that's 36 hours or so. Um, and yes, you can kind of work out in the capsule, kind of not. I mean, there's some exercise bikes and there are things that we've been able to, to get done, but I could never quite bring myself to break a full sweat downstairs when you can't clean up and shower. So anyway, you try to get a workout in, go to the field, come back. You may or may not feel like working out on the return day. Usually I did not because I was just almost flaming out by the end of alert, especially once I upgraded and was pulling night shifts. Um, and so then when I got to Warren and I'm working lots of hours, six days a week, maybe seven days a week in some cases, depending on when training is and what the crews are doing in the field. Uh, you know, the only time to get a workout in or to get any time really for you was five in the morning. So I would get to the gym right as it opened on base at 5 a.m., which means waking up 3.30 to 4 o'clock, packing all my stuff, getting in the truck, driving to work. Um, and then, you know, fast forward, Vegas was kind of a mess and all over the place. Then I get here, we get to Ohio. And, you know, now we're having, we have kids, still got a job. And what's interesting about Ohio, right, is this is the last assignment, was the last assignment. And we knew we were settling here. And the plan was to go to graduate school uh, and to, to study political science and to do some deep work in philosophy and in neuroscience and in various things that you've, you've heard a little bit about before. And for, for a period, well, not really for a period, really for the entire time, right? It's one of those things where the things that I think about and the things that I want to continue thinking about professionally in, in my second career, if you will, um, most people don't appreciate, or that's what I assume, right? Nobody wants to hear me kind of riff on and on about 
uh, quantum game theory. So, you know, it's almost like you're living two different lives. And so one of the things that I, that I found somewhat useful was waking up at three thirty four in the morning, come downstairs, grab a banana, first cup of coffee for the day, first of several probably, um, and read. I, I would use that time to read and study for classes I was taking. I would use that time to read and do research on my own things that were that I was trying to prep for future stuff. Um, time to write, just time to journal for myself. I would I was on and off with a meditation practice, so I would try to do that in the morning, which invariably half the time I would fall asleep on the couch, right? Because you're trying to meditate with your eyes closed, breathing heavily. It's 4.30. What the hell do you think is going to happen? I was tired every time, right? It's not like I popped out of bed psyched, but I had reasoned that this is the only time I'm going to get is the only opportunity I have. The house is quiet. Folks, people are asleep. Um, you know, once I go to work, you got to be present and you got to be doing stuff. You got to be attentive to students and whatever the headquarters is beating you in the face with. And then even in the summertime, right? It's, it, it's still busy. Summertime's a little bit easier, but I, I can't spend a lot of time at work reading or doing other things i gotta be at work uh mentally present certainly physically present try to get a workout in the middle of the day that was a nice perk of the summertime but in any case um i spent several years on and off throughout my air force career waking up um what waking up at an hour that you might call god awful early um but you know i felt good about my day if i could get something done in that four to six o'clock range before everyone was getting up, mad getting up, going to work, uh, and then getting ready to go to work when it was COVID season and we're all working from home. Um, but our kids getting up and needing to go to daycare and whatnot, right? That four to six o'clock period was really my time to try to, well, it was really my time to be that other person, um, to be that other person <clears throat> that frankly, a lot of people didn't see or know about because I was thinking about things, writing about things, doing things that were going to be part of the next life while I still had to live and work this other life. So it was my way of, of compartmenting the two different lives. And then every so often, my body, I think, would just break down and hit reset on its own. And I would oversleep an alarm and I would get pissed and I would lose my morning, right? And then the, the first half of the day is a mess. And then it would take me two or three days and I'd recover myself or I'd get through a weekend, catch up, quote unquote, on sleep, which is not a thing we know, but I would catch up. I would feel better. And then on Monday, I'd be back at it and I'd be up at four o'clock in the morning. You know, now through this similar period, through the same period, especially the last couple of years, right, I have lamented constantly about how often I would get sick. Seems every bug that the boys brought home from daycare hit me with full force. Um, you know, Mag suffers from allergies. She would get headaches, sniffles. You know, she's, she still suffers from that kind of stuff, same as anyone else. But the bug would hit me and would throw me to the ground, and I would spend a couple of days useless. Um, bedridden in some cases, head congested, all full of crap, just useless. So on top of, you know, oversleeping an alarm, perhaps 
because the lack of sleep is catching up with me. Cause it's not like I'm going to bed at seven o'clock or eight o'clock. We're still going to bed. I mean, if we can get the boys down, then there were lunches to make and bottles to prep and whatever. And we're doing all the normal stuff and then collapsing into bed, nine 30, 10 o'clock maybe. And then I'm trying to get up at three 30 and I'm not necessarily, sometimes I could collapse and go right to sleep, but I'm not always that way. So anyway, while I'm trying to maintain <clears throat> this tempo, seven days a week, by the way, <coughs> excuse me, seven days a week, while I'm trying to maintain this tempo, even on a Sunday, I'm getting sick, like almost nonstop. So this goes on for a long time. And then last week, I don't know what it is about last week. You know, I was beat even uh on monday i think it was monday night i had notes set to record uh, a solo episode wasn't really going to be about this theme in particular there's something else that i had had planned in my head and i had put out written some notes out in fact and and i had thought through on a couple of different runs what i wanted to kind of what i wanted to talk about tease a couple of upcoming interviews and instead, I just collapsed into bed that night. I came home from a run, I think. We did dinner. The boys went down. I'm like, I, I am not feeling it. I got to go to bed. Tuesday came around. I thought, okay, I'll sit down about 8 o'clock. Kids are asleep. Um, it's quiet. Maggie's doing her thing. Okay. Collapsed into bed again. By that point, I, had a, I was nursing a sore throat turned into a full-on sinus headache and all this pressure in my head and all this whatever. Um, wake up Wednesday, head cold, congested, groggy, the whole bit. I'm like, this is not, this is not going to be pretty. This week is shot. Uh, and that was Wednesday morning. And fast forward through the rest of the week, missed the podcast, didn't barely wrote, let alone published any writing, got to the weekend and was like, damn. And, and if you're sitting there asking, well, or wondering, well, you still, I mean, you were going to work and you're still doing plenty of other things. Yeah, ish, not really, uh, because I don't have a job. Because I had to resign from my job. I lost my job slash had to resign from my job on March 14th largely for ethical reasons and workforce environment reasons uh, that I won't go into on this podcast episode. The only thing I will say is within the last couple of weeks, I think it was two weeks ago, probably the last podcast episode. I think that was the Jim Warner interview uh, or maybe the one before that I alluded to just it, it had been a rough couple of weeks and that was really the root of it. Losing a job, leaving it, excuse me, leaving a job um, that we were already talking about not being a good fit um, and, and being, being a job that was not going to last. But putting my trust into people incorrectly and finally getting to a point where I realized if I stay in this environment any longer, um, it will have serious detrimental effects on my health state of mind um 
not to mention I don't want to be in a position where I'm going to see somebody do something stupid or illegal. So I'm just going to go. Uh, was not a good situation. So I am on the road to getting back into full-time work prior to the grad school thing or kind of in conjunction with the grad school thing. But in any case, while I'm already, while I'm dealing with that, right, I'm still trying to wake up early, still trying to set a day's intent, still trying to have something of a schedule, um, still, so still writing and podcasting, right? And those things provide some structure, which is badly needed in this particular stage of my life, in this particular season. And I go 0 for 4. And the truth of it is, I was exhausted, just burned out on that week. Um, so fast forward to this week, and I run the same risk again early in the week. I said, I want to get back into the rhythm, writing, recording, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, publication schedule. And I get to Tuesday, I'm like, oh, it's not happening. It's not happening. The momentum's not there. I'm not feeling it. And Maggie and I had a couple of serious conversations, including one this morning. And one of the things that she told me several times was you need to focus. You're having a lot of trouble focusing. I'm like, yeah, well, I'm, I'm focused on getting a job and, and earning income so that we can get back to stable and back to where we were and, and, and not worry so much about everything. She gets that, but she also knows that I'm much more effective when I've got something I'm focused on, when I'm really motivated to work on it and to push it and to push forward into it. And so she said, you know, we, we know where you want to go and where you need to be. There's plenty of things you can be doing related to that focus. Use that as the, the instrument of, of what's moving you forward now while the, while the work part catches up something to that effect so you know i'm thinking about that today and i come across this video um and i'll well i'll try to pull it up but i can't really play it or pipe it through the sound here but it's you can find it on youtube it's of steve jobs in 1997 i think um yeah steve jobs at a conference in 1997 and the title of it is Focusing is About Saying No. So if you just go to YouTube and look up Steve Jobs Focusing, you'll probably get it. But certainly if you say Steve Jobs Focusing is About Saying No, you'll get to the video. It is three minutes and five seconds, certainly not a lot of time. And I've heard this before, right? But the video came up at random um, in the suggestion feed after a video I was watching on something totally unrelated during lunch. So I was watching a couple of videos related to, to physics and some research stuff, eating a turkey sandwich. And then this next video that pops up in the suggested feed thing on the right side is Steve Jobs talking about focus. I'm like, oh, well, okay. What, what impeccable timing. Click the video. And, you know, he's talking about product development and selecting ventures to invest in at Apple, right? And, um, you know, for all the successful products that you've seen Apple roll out over the last 13, 14, 15 years since the iPhone came out in 2007, 
Think about all the products Apple has rolled out just since the iPhone that have been successful. And you could probably find five to 10 to who knows how many more products for each one of those that they started and quashed at some point. And Jobs in the video puts it point blank. He said, it's my job to decide which projects get a bullet in the head. That's what he says to this big crowd twice. It's my job to figure out what projects get a bullet to the head because it, at, at the micro level, I know how painful it is at the micro level, you're pouring your heart and soul into this thing, but the macro, it makes no sense. So we can't do it. So it's a no. However invested we might be at the beginning, it's a no. Because there's something bigger at stake than simply rolling out a product, right? It is, it is the brand, it is the image, it is the design and the feel, right? So if you don't know, this is what made Steve Jobs who he was and what made Apple what it was, at least under him, right? He obsessed about the way these products looked and felt and made you feel but he was also equally obsessive about what Apple was to people and what Apple was to the world. And so he used that to guide what types of things, what types of projects the engineers would work on. And so it would be his job also to say, no, that's not going to be an Apple product. That's not going to be an Apple thing. That is going to be an Apple thing. The phone, the iPhone, the iPod, the iPad, the new iMacs, the laptops, the MacBooks that they have now, right? Everything that you know, if you're listening to this, you're either using an Apple device or you're familiar with Apple devices, right? One way or the other. So, you know, but what he's saying is focusing is not about knowing where to say yes. It is about knowing when to say no or where to say no. And so, of course, <clears throat> I'm spending my afternoon thinking about that where do I need to say no? I've said no to a number of things the last few months, including a job. But I don't think I've said no to enough. I haven't said no to enough things that will allow me to focus on where I'm supposed to be and where I want to be focused and frankly, where I'm happiest being. So that led me to make to really think hard about my weekly battle rhythm, as we say, the weekly tempo. What am I going to do every week? What do I enjoy? What do I not enjoy doing? I do enjoy recording this podcast. I have more work to do, I think, in this medium to include the conversation about ICBMs and nukes and nuclear weapons and deterrence that we have just barely scratched the surface of with the Cole Smith and Jim Warner shows um, that conversation continues. And I enjoy doing this. Certainly if it is effective, if it is useful, if it is a value that is for you to decide, I enjoy this medium. Um, you know, it, it is a way I, I, I unlike writing a column, um, this is far more freewheeling, much less planning. I'm really just kind of talking around a particular idea or theme. I'm not so worried about the structure, as you can probably tell. And that is liberating. That is an interesting experience for somebody like me. So the podcast will continue. What will not, 
um, is the LinkedIn newsletter that goes along with it normally. That newsletter has been through a couple of iterations. According to LinkedIn, the platform, I have 550 or so subscribers, which is great, for which I am grateful. I know that does not mean there's 550 people reading it on a, on a weekly basis. That's okay. But the reality is writing that newsletter to accompany the podcast isn't enjoyable for me. Um, I don't know if reading it is enjoyable for you if you're someone who does read it, but it is not where my time is best spent. Given the things I want to do, the projects I want to tackle, and the questions I want to ask and hopefully help answer, that is not where my time is best spent. So that newsletter will go by the wayside within the next couple of weeks. I will put out a couple more. Decoherence is not going to go anywhere. Uh, if anything, my plan with decoherence was to expand it. Um, there's going to be a video element <clears throat> coming in the fall and uh, a paid subscription option probably also in the fall uh, because the reality is there's a lot more I want to do with that newsletter, a lot more research, some travel, interviews, a whole lot more that I want to do to put together science news and breakthroughs that is accessible and digestible and also gets you thinking about important questions that you, yes, you, will have a part in answering. Uh, as an engaged citizen, as someone who wants to hold a productive conversation, the material will absolutely be applicable. But to do that um, requires some, some level of support and resources that I simply don't have. And so that's, that's what I'll be asking of folks as we get, as we move toward the fall is, um, whether folks are willing to support a project like that. And I'll, and I'll put more details out in the, in the column, in the newsletter, kind of explaining what it is and what you get, right? It's, it's a Substack newsletter. And so if you're familiar with Patreon or Locals or Substack through another writer, um, you know, it's a, it's a platform that allows you to, to buy a subscription every month for access to additional content and other things. <clears throat> and so you know, that's what I want to do to expand the project and to expand the conversation. The nuclear weapons conversation that we've started here on the podcast will spill over onto decoherence. There's probably things from, from decoherence that's going to, that are going to spill over onto here because the other thing I'm saying no to is compartmenting and living two lives or three lives, which I've been doing forever. I, I, I had a good run in the Air Force, I think. I did okay. I certainly work with a lot of great people and had some really cool opportunities and got very lucky multiple times. But I didn't always want to be that guy. Um, and in fact, the times where I had to be particularly strict or strong or, you know, um, run a certain course because that's what the commanders said to do. You know, if, if you're not if you're not a military type person, if you weren't in the military, it's hard to understand sometimes, right? We have to do things that the commander directs as long as they're legal, moral, and ethical, right? If we disagree, we might be in a position to say so behind closed doors. But when the door opens, we're on the same page, regardless of whether I agree with him or her or not. 
and there are many times where I had to do things and I had to enforce rules or um, pass intent or whatever in times where I did not agree. And I thought the commander was making a poor choice or my supervisor was making a poor choice. They were leading poorly, weren't leading at all, whatever the case is. You probably have a similar story or know of someone who does. The point is, right, that wasn't necessarily me, regardless of how well I might have done it. So as I got to the end of my Air Force time and I was starting to think about who the me post-2021 was going to be, I wanted to start living that life and acting as that person, but I had to compartment it because I was still stuck. So then I got out of the Air Force in April of 21, went to work as a financial advisor, which is not me at all. It made sense at the time. And the compartmenting only got worse. I was living two lives that were even less congruent than they were before. Because if, if we're talking about, I want to study strategic deterrence. Well, I'm a missileer in the Air Force, right? We have some schools. They may or may not be serious schools, but you can kind of put those two together, right? And I can make an excuse or I can make a case for being intellectually invested in strategic deterrence, nuclear weapons, international affairs, uh, while being an Air Force officer. That's a, that's a relatively easy case to make, actually. When you're an investment advisor talking to people about IRAs and 401ks and mutual funds, and you're expected to be watching CNBC on a daily basis and checking numbers on Barron's and all these types of things, no one gives two shits about whether you want to talk about how, no one cares that you want to talk about Russia, Ukraine, except what is Russia, Ukraine going to do to the market tomorrow? Which when Russia invaded Ukraine at the end of February, I was still working at that job. Now, what's interesting is that a lot of advisors, myself included, of course, would tell clients all the time, do not watch the market constantly. Don't stare at the numbers. S certainly not. I went days without looking at the market. With money invested in the market, I go days without looking at the market. I don't sit there watching the, the Dow and the S&P go up and down, freaking out about how much value I've gained or lost. It, it's not worth it. You know, unless you're a day trader, um, which is not what we did. Thankfully, it's not what I want to get into. And it's not what the majority of people who just want to save and invest for a stable future and enjoy their life now. That's not what the majority of people want to do or need to do. All right. So anyway, I went days without watching numbers, but then I would get a call from somebody. They're like, oh, you're probably getting lots of calls. Today's a rough day on the market. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's been... Um while I'm Googling Wall Street Journal to figure out what the hell happened. I, I knew, interestingly enough, I knew Russia invaded Ukraine when it did. Like I was watching the headlines and I saw it the day it happened, the 27th or 28th of February, I think, when they first rolled across the border. Of course, I'm paying attention to that. But I was not, <clears throat> I was not paying attention to the Dow Jones Industrial Index 
uh, and its reaction the next day, whatever it was, um, wasn't pretty, wasn't good, right? I think we had a couple of bad days. I can't, I can't remember. It certainly wasn't March 2020. Let's think back to what that was. Um, all right, so that's a digression. But in any case, I, it takes a lot of energy to live two lives and to compartment the things you're interested in and to put serious intellectual force and time and energy into things that are not that are not consistent with who you are or what you want to do or the message you're trying to convey or the problems you're trying to solve. And so I'm slowly trying to pick away at those things so that I can focus and so that I can be better primarily for my family who deserves it most, but also for you, for those of you who have supported me up through this, for friends of mine who are supporting me. Um, and to the extent that I am an example to anybody, which is unlikely that I can put my money where my mouth is, right? Because I've probably told people before, advising them, do, less is more, right? Focus on fewer things and you'll get better at those fewer things. I've probably said that to people. I may have said that to you. And then here I am constantly trying to hedge my bets because I have zero confidence in who I am and what I've, what I've done. And I'm still convinced I'm not qualified for anything. But at some point, I know as, as, as much as, uh, well, no, that wasn't going to make any sense. At some point, I know what brings me joy, what I enjoy doing. I know it sounds hokey. It sounds cheesy. But if who I am is who I am, then I can either resist that and be miserable for my entire life, which is going to affect people around me, namely my family, my wife and kids. Or I can lean into it, cut away all the other crap, and see where it takes us. And I've yet to do the latter, which I think is maybe what Mag's point was. I don't know. She'll tell me after she listens to this. So the LinkedIn newsletter is going to go. Decoherence is actually going to ramp up, but slowly because I want to be deliberate about it. So look for changes. If you, if you read Decoherence, I thank you for that. First off, if you don't, consider taking a look at it. Um, Arunchatur.substack.com. It's all free right now. Everything is on there when you go to the website. All the previous articles are on there. I write about a book a week on Fridays and on Thursdays is the main science column. I've, I've got some stuff on there that is kind of heavy science-y, um, so you may not enjoy that. <clears throat> uh, but I mix in philosophy, current events, right? If, if you know me, you know I'm kind of all over the place naturally. From an intellectual perspective, I'm kind of all over the place, and decoherence is where I can play with that stuff, and I don't feel bad about it. Writing a newsletter on LinkedIn, it, it's almost like you have to write about something businessy or leadershipy, otherwise it, it doesn't count. I don't I don't know. It's just a weird vibe, I guess. And you know, I'm I'm certainly still going to talk about leadership here and there. I spent a lot of time teaching it, talking about it, and and fucking it up. Um, so that's not going to go away. But I'm interested in other things, and I'm not going to apologize for that anymore because I feel like I've been doing that enough uh, lately. So how did this start? I was exhausted last week and went 0 for 4. Um, I am happy. Ultimately, it's not, It's almost 10 o'clock on the East Coast Wednesday night, but I've been recording for a little while now. 
Um, and I'm happy that I did. And hopefully you get something out of this episode, which is really just me ranting at you for the past half hour, 40 minutes, something like that. Half hour, 40 minutes, sipping some bourbon with you. Makers this evening, cheers. Um, hopefully you get something out of this. I uh, talked about the talked about the Substack. LinkedIn's going away. Podcast is pressing on. Hope to find out. Hope the job thing might finalize in the next couple of weeks. We'll see. I've been saying that for a month now, though. Oh, there was something. Oh, you might not be a leader if you're waiting for a green light. So I was going to try to make this a, a double meaning thing and I just screwed it up. But um, I was going to write a LinkedIn column about this. And that was the column that fell apart last week. <clears throat> and so I thought these stories are, are in some ways comical. Um, and it's, and it's tough to write a column about, these types of stories that I hear from people, from friends and family um, in the workplace, uh, because it, it's tough for me. I have to find the humor in it. Otherwise, the column goes dark, right? It goes negative. And um, certainly I'll hear that. I'll hear about it from Maggie and I'll hear about it from others. And at the end of the day, I don't want to spend all of my time writing about and, and being negative. Um, so I'll tell the story here. I'll keep it generic for obvious reasons. But just consider this. So when I was on active duty, I don't know if it's the same. Um, now, I think Teams is the, big, is the new big thing um, in DOD. So maybe team, I think Teams does have this because the person telling me this story, they use Teams too at work. Um, <clears throat> if you, let's try it this way. If you are a supervisor, meaning you have direct reports, two, five, 45, doesn't matter. Pro probably something in the neighborhood of 15 or fewer, because this becomes difficult to do at, uh, above 15. If you have a small group of direct reports, and for some reason, you have reason to believe for some reason, you have reason to believe. Yeah. For some reason, you think they're not working, right? We're still, a lot of folks are in work from home, work remote environments. So let's, let's assume for a moment, either you don't work together anyway, um, or you're in a work remote situation that like a lot of people still are. And you have reason to believe that folks aren't working. There are a number of ways you could handle it, some good, some bad. Let me, let me go out on a limb and suggest to you that staring at the team's display for green bubbles is not the way to handle it. So if you're not on Teams, think about Skype or um, 
I mean, Microsoft Outlook would have them in the email boxes. I don't know if that was a Skype function or where that came from. But think if you've ever had an instant messenger function in your workplace and there was an icon, right? It looks like a stoplight or a colored circle thing sitting next to the person's name, right? Something usually will tell you if they are present or available away in a meeting there's a do not disturb uh there's like a grayed out offline whatever whatever that little indicator is i call it a bubble right it in some ways it's convenient because if you're like oh i got a question for joe is joe online oh joe's yellow okay i'll i'll check back when he's green and i'll ask him a question right you could do that. That could be a useful way to use, or that could be a good thing, a good way to use the bubble. You could also just type him the question and wait for him to reply to you. But no, if, if you want to be all, I don't know what the word is, wait for the green bubble. That's, that's something you could do. If you're Joe's boss and you somehow think Joe's not working, you don't have any evidence for this whatsoever. You have no data other than you just for some reason don't like Joe and you think the best way to enforce it is simply to check and see when their green bubble goes yellow and then you time it and if the yellow bubble is on for longer than you think is necessary you IM them to ask hey where are you are you are you working are you okay you are not a leader you're a pain in the ass and a bad manager on top of that. I'm just going to come out and say it. So the individual telling me the story, like this isn't anything new. This is how the person operates, the supervisor. I guess using the green and yellow and red bubbles and, and using that as data, as indicators of how devoted their people are, I suppose. Those people are out there. Um, it would be naive to say otherwise or to think otherwise or not to believe it. And I am the last person to tell you that I am sinless when it comes to leader, leadership and caring for other people. The, the mistakes can fill several pages. But if there's one thing at least I knew early on it was that you had to <clears throat> have some modicum of trust. And if your people, if your teammates perceive you checking in on them with that kind of chintzy attitude, I don't know what other word to use to describe it. Like it's one thing when you're worried about a teammate who's been sick or their family member was sick and you call them, hey, how's everything going? Are you okay? There's checking in that's useful and valuable, and then there's checking up on them, I guess. I don't know what other way you'd phrase it. If you are watching the yellow bubble because the union contract says you get one break for 30 minutes for lunch, or you get five 15 minute breaks or you whatever it is right and you're watching the yellow bubble and the yellow bubble time is 16 minutes and you freak out 
And you, on top of everything else, justify that as leadership because you have to make sure people are getting their work done. You're not leading them. You're not even micromanaging. It's something worse, I think. It's different. You may also be micromanaging in other situations. You are not a leader if you're waiting on the green bubble. If that's what you're spending your time on. And you're not a leader if you're waiting for a green light. Which is what I've learned in the last few days and what I continue to learn over the course of the past, what I have been learning over the course of the past year. See how I tied it in there right at the end, right? Really tenuous connection. You may not buy it at all. I had to give myself the green light to start saying no to things and focusing. If you are waiting on one of your teammates' green bubbles or green lights to light back up to know that they're back at work, you have a problem. And it's not them. Look in the mirror and ask yourself what the problem is and then get about fixing that. Okay. I, uh, like I said, I, I, I hope you found something maybe valuable, if nothing else. It was good talking with you. These conversations as they were, as they are, are one way I know, but I'm always open for feedback, your questions, your comments. I love to hear from you. If you're out there um, and if you have ideas for the show, the show will continue. I'm not dropping this. It is going to be still on a seasonal basis, right? Season two will end later in the year and then we'll pick up with season three in 2023. That works out quite nicely. So um, until next time, we'll be back next week. I do have a couple of interviews lined up and a couple of people I am currently courting. I think you know who you are. Um, and then someone who's already penciled in for July for reasons I think we will explain when we get to talk with them in July. So at any rate, 10 after 10, Wednesday, April 27th. So wherever you are, wherever you're listening to this, <clears throat> I hope it's been a good day, but if it hasn't been, don't wait for someone else to give you a green light before you start fixing it. Think about that. Take care, stay safe, and we'll talk to you soon.